Hey, this is uh, Connor. We'll get started our live stream today, Wednesday, 25th March. Uh, welcome to the live stream. Thank you for those that joined uh, the two I did last week and uh, looking forward to another great uh, day connecting with you. Uh, we'll get started on the live stream in a little bit, but uh, for today, I thought about uh, five rules of engagement, ways of being while we're on here. First, you're welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Second, contribute. If you have something to share, put it in the chat. Three, engage. Listen with curiosity, but question. If it doesn't make sense, ask a question and enjoy. If it's boring, that's my fault. Let me know uh, so I can get better and better at this. So welcome to the chat. And for today's chat, I've decided to, to dress in another of my Leo Messi tops. We've got my Argentina football strip. On the back is the number 10, Leo Messi. Today in Barcelona, we're on day is it 10 of quarantine. So 10 days here at home, 10 days without going outside. Uh, here in Spain, you can still go to the food shops, the shelves of the food shops, there is food. Uh, you can go to the pharmacy, there is drugs. You can go to the cash machines, there is cash. So everyone is working from home, but uh, it's a very surreal experience going out onto the street. Uh, Diagonal, which is one of the main roads here in Barcelona, completely empty. Uh, you can hear the birds singing. Uh, I notice on my Dyson air purifier it's saying that the air is cleaner. So there are definitely uh, some positives coming from this. So I can see we've got a couple of people joining the chat here. We've now got 35 people on. And uh, let's uh, talk about the chat. What I'd love to see in the chat today. Uh, first, number one, tell us where you are, city and country. What I found really engaging last week is seeing the range of countries and cities that you were all connecting in from. And I don't think I was aware quite how global YouTube is. So I can see uh, we've got uh, Noda from Egypt, Sebastian from Austria, Thomas from New Jersey, Stephen from Kenya, Nadine from Barcelona here, uh, Aras from Azerbaijan, Reno, where, where are you from Reno? I have a, a wild guess. I spent some time back in 2003. Uh, back in 2003, I spent some time living in Helsinki. Uh, I don't know, Reno, is, is that where I would find you? Sam from Saudi Arabia. Trung from Vietnam, Nairobi, Kenya, Iraq, Baghdad, wow. Uh, Javier from Barcelona. Juan Salamanca. Wow, we've got uh, quite a good gathering here. Uh, one question for my next live stream on the 28th is which of my range of football or rugby tops should I be putting on then? I think one of the top potentials is my Irish rugby jersey. Now, for today, I thought uh, just to put some structure in what I'd like to talk about, given where we are, what we're dealing with, uh, there are five 
mentors of mine, some of which I have met, some of which are only mentors because of their books or their audios. Viktor Frankl, Joseph Campbell, Warren Rustan, Jim Rohn, and John Martini. And some of the things that I'll be sharing over the hour that I've scheduled to be here are from Viktor Frankl, Joseph Campbell, Warren Rustand, and Jim Rohn. Uh, so I can see some of you, Anna from close to Barcelona, Chris from, from Romania. Let's switch over here. So what I wanted to start with is a story that I heard from Jim Collins and Jim Collins shared a story, what he calls the Stockdale Paradox. And the Stockdale Paradox, there was an admiral called Admiral Stockdale who spent four years in the prison camps and in the Japanese areas of, of Asia during the, the Second World War. And Jim Collins tells a story about speaking to this admiral, Admiral Stockdale, and saying, Admiral Stockdale, your book is very pessimistic. And I thought you needed to be an optimist. You needed to maintain hope to get through tough times. Admiral Stockdale, uh, you know, are you a pessimist? What, what is it? Is your book a reflection of how you, you were during that time? And Admiral Stockdale says, optimists, there's a very dangerous thing of optimism. The optimists would always say to themselves, we'll be out of the prison by Christmas and they would keep their hopes up. We'll be out of the prison by Christmas. We'll be out of the prison by Christmas. And the months would go by and day by day, they would get closer to Christmas and January came around. And in January, they were not free of the prison. And a lot of the optimists who had maintained their hope on this idea that at a certain future date, they would leave the camp in January and February, they started to find it very difficult to keep going. Uh, Stockdale said, you don't want to be a pessimist either, uh, but neither optimism nor pessimism are good ways of approaching the crisis that we now find ourselves in. Uh, I've had a lot of conversations over this week where people have said to me, Connor, how do you see the quarantine going on? Is it two weeks? Is it two months? Is it six months? What's going to happen? And they're looking for me to tell them that in two weeks time, in five weeks time, we're gonna go back to normal. No one can tell the future. No politician, no doctor, no scientist can tell how this pandemic is going to pan out. Maybe we're out in two weeks, maybe we're out in two months, we're, maybe we're out in six months. But I think the, the mentality that Admiral Stockdale recommended that we have when you're in times of difficulty is not one of pessimism, absolutely, is not one of optimism, of thinking at some day, a certain day, by summer, by Semana Santa, by Easter, we'll be out of here, but finding a different source of hope and strength. And I want to talk a bit about what those other sources of strength are when you're in tough times. Uh, and I want to comment on just how dangerous optimism can be an optimism I, I see as a kind of fantasy thinking of imagining a good future but forgetting to imagine the steps and the hard work and the problems that you're going to have to overcome to get to that future and victor frankl the first of the mentors i put on my list victor frankl's book man's search for meaning is again a story of someone who spent four years 
in the Nazi concentration camp system. And Viktor Frankl, at the end, he also said, the pessimists were dead in a week. The optimists were dead in two weeks. Everyone who survived, and the people who went into the concentration camp at the same time as Viktor Frankl, only one in 32 were still alive four years later when the Allies liberated the concentration camps. And Viktor Frankl said it was not by accident that those one in 32 were still alive. They had three sources of meaning that kept them going through this. The first source of meaning is somebody else needs you when this is done. And Viktor Frankl said that one of the sources of meaning in those concentration camps that kept people alive was day after day thinking, my children, when this is done, will need me. And no matter what I face today, no matter how much pain I face today, no matter how difficult it is to get out of bed, go out and do the work, stay out in the cold, eat such little food, no matter how much I'm in pain, my children will need me when this is done. Uh, and I think the first type of why that will get you through hard times, that doesn't need you to link to a fantasy that this will be over in a week or two weeks or 10 weeks, is one of who do you want to be here for? Who do you want to get through this in as good a way as possible? Because you want to be part of helping them take advantage, deal with things as this process goes out. Uh, and for me personally, my journey since last Saturday when the reality of the quarantine here in Barcelona began to hit, my first reaction was looking at myself, how this affects me, how it restricts my freedom, how it takes away my ability to go for a run. And that's a, not a good, healthy uh, place for my mind to go. Uh, I start to feel pity for myself. By Sunday and Monday, I was getting my notebook and just thinking about who needs me. Uh, what can I do for my parents who are in the high risk category for this? What can I do for my brothers, my sister, my two daughters, my wife? What way can I be present now and in weeks and in months that will really help them learn from this experience but be there for them? So for me, the Viktor Frankl's message, the first thing is really get clear on who you want to be there for during these times. The second why that is big enough to get through whatever hard times and doesn't require a fantasy or optimism or pessimism, the second why is a project only you can complete. And this was the case for Viktor Frankl himself. Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, was the project that he was working on during the concentration camp. He had it written on little scrolls of paper hidden in his clothes during the camp. Uh, and he knew that he had to survive so that this testimony of his experiences in the camps would get out and reach other human beings. And I think now that we are at home, we are not traveling, it's an incredible time to start thinking about what are the seeds that you can plant today that 20 years from now yourself 20 years from now will look back and thank yourself for beginning those projects. And I'm taking this time now one to start these YouTube live sessions. I was inspired by Florian Mueck who immediately said, quarantine, I'm at home, I can't travel. Well, what's the next best thing I can do? 
and got live streaming just to see how the technology works, see how we can interact, how we can connect, how we can not let social distancing be removing human connection. Uh, so this, the second of Viktor Frankl's sources of meaning is a project only you can complete. Uh, the third source of meaning strong enough to help you get through whatever you have to face is what Viktor Frankl explains as you find meaning in the suffering itself. And it's taken me quite a few years to find my own sense of what Viktor Frankl means when he talks about this third source of meaning. But bit by bit, I'm starting to, particularly when I go running, when I go running and one of the things I'm looking forward to when this quarantine finishes is to get on my motorbike, head up the Tibidabo mountain that's just right here behind us in Barcelona and go for a run on Carretera Las Aguas. Uh, one of the things I'm so looking forward to do, I do it regularly once or twice a week, and running on Carretera Las Aguas, it, it, you can do from start to finish, it's about 12 kilometers, about eight miles, start to finish, you can do there and back. And when I run, my mind goes into all sorts of chatter, like turn around, you've run enough, you're in pain, that pain feels a bit. And what I've taught myself to do when I'm running is just to let the chatter in my mind just continue on and I'm just trying to be present and experience what it is to push through the pain, to keep going, to listen to my mind telling me to stop, to telling me that I've done enough, telling me that I ran yesterday, I don't need to run today, and just experience it. And uh, you know, maybe later on this, this webinar, this, this live stream, uh, a few years ago I had the privilege to spend a day with some of Spain's top ultra-athletes, Kilian Jornet, Joseph Achram, Mikel Sunier. Uh, I spent time with the, the psychologist of the Olympic team here in Spain, Pep Marie, looking at you know, what is it that great athletes do at a mental level, not just at the physical level. Surely they, they have some powerful physical capabilities, but there's some things that people who achieve superhuman results are not superhuman but they have a way of really understanding their mind that allows them to just keep going where many of others of us would stop. So the three sources of meaning in a life that will get you through whatever hardship, whatever crisis, whatever difficulty that you're going to face. Number one, who do you want to be there for now and when this is over? And really put those names down on a list and reflect on them. And what I try to do each morning as I wake up during this, this quarantine, each morning before I get out of bed, first thing I do when I notice that I've gained consciousness, that my, my soul has returned to my body after a night's sleep, when I've still got my eyes closed, I'm still lying there, is as soon as I'm aware that I'm awake, the first thing that I do is I just say thank you to the universe for returning my soul to my body. And this was something I learned from Daniel Green. That he, he shared that's a, a practice that he and, and many Jewish people have, a practice of the moment that you realize in the morning that you've regained consciousness, you've left the state of sleep and you're 
awake, before you open your eyes, before you move, the first thing you do is be grateful that your soul has returned to your body. The second thing that I do is just think about who needs me today. What does my daughter need from me today? What does my younger daughter need from me today? What does my mom, my dad, my wife, my friends? Today I was thinking, what do I want to share on this YouTube live stream? What do I want to share out to each of you? And uh, let's have a look. Uh, we've now got 54 uh, connected at the moment. What do I want to share with you? So first is who? The second, the project. And uh, for me, I've started using YouTube Live. Uh, I've got two book projects that I've begun in the last two weeks and using this quarantine time to have a focus time to, to sit and just do Pomodoros. Uh, if you don't know what a Pomodoro is, check out the Pomodoro Technique. For me, it's a lifesaver. The Pomodoro Technique for making progress on anything important, whether it's your homework from school, whether it's learning a language, playing a musical instrument, writing a book, writing a blog post, the Pomodoro Technique. Search for it. I've got a video on it on YouTube, but Pomodoro is just set a timer and work until the timer finishes. Usually 10, 12, 15, 20 minutes and you work until it buzzes and then you have a drink. You set it again, work until it finishes, get up and go away. You do Pomodoros. Um, so let, let's switch back to uh, the, the chat here. We have some good comments coming through on the chat. Joseph from Barcelona, Julian from Cannes, Joaquim Lisbon, Tudo bem, muito obrigado. John from Limerick, hey Limerick, uh, B Sanchez, <laughs> when the library opens, we can all take the brass floor outlet covers for free, but yeah, I believe brass, brass doesn't uh, allow the virus to survive. Mark, uh, Mark, yes, it's not just you that has those inner voices chattering away when you're running. And I found that those inner voices when I'm swimming is even worse than when I'm running. At least when I'm running, I have things to look at, trees to look at, the, the city of Barcelona, if I'm running up on Cartelax, I was, I see the city down below. But when I'm swimming in a pool is when that chatter, that first length or two, the, the noise in my head is incredible. Uh, when I give a speech, when I give a class, when I get, I'm about to get up on stage, that chatter is incredible and Viktor Frankl's approach of not trying to argue with the chatter, just becoming aware that this chatter is part of being human. Much kind words. Uh, Hernan, Buenos Aires, que bien. Uh, Modar, Madrid, Adam from Taiwan, Jenny, Jeng from USA, Michele, Rome. I love Rome. I look forward when this quarantine and the restrictions on travel are over to get back to some of the great cities in the world, Paris, Rome. Uh, luckily, I was in Milan probably two weeks before this crisis began and I had a wonderful opportunity with my family to see the lakes, Lago de Orta, the Duomo. And uh, we were looking through my family here. We, we took out some of our photo albums. We were looking through the photos and seeing pictures of our travels and remembering the great times and feeling really grateful for the opportunity that we've had to travel. So, uh, on the chat here, 
let's let's talk about what I'd like to put in the chat now. Number two, one word emotional connect. Uh, we've got 60 people on our uh, thing here. What I would love from each of you is one single word in the chat. What's your emotional state right now? Wherever you are in the world, if you had to put a word that labels the emotional state that you have inside you, if you had to put a word to label your emotional state, if you looked inside yourself and labeled it with a word, what would that one word be? And uh, stick that in the chat. I see that sunshine in some places. Here in Barcelona, uh, we've got a cloudy, rainy day, uh, which makes it quite dark in my home office. I've had to see if I can rig up some lighting to get enough light to be able to, to broadcast here at 5 p.m. Uh, so we've got some words starting to come through. But again, if you've just connected one word in the chat, what's your emotional state? What word captures how you're feeling, your attitude to the world right now? Um, great, curious from Mark. Anxious, Nova, Nadine, inspired, Anna, quite positive, Orgus, inspiring, Sebastian, curious, Soma, hopeful. These are good words. And I think becoming aware of ourselves, uh, intentionality. And if we go back to some of the mentors that I, uh, I've had in my life. So Viktor Frankl, we've spent some of the first 20 minutes of this live stream talking about Viktor Frankl man's search for meaning, looking for your why. Uh, I'd like to talk now about Warren Rustand. And uh, Warren Rustand, number three on this list. Uh, let's switch back to camera. So Warren Rustand, let me tell you about Warren Rustand. Warren Rustand, uh, he's 75, 76. I met him first 10 years ago in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, where he gave a talk to 150 entrepreneurs from the Entrepreneurs Organization in Jeddah. And I remember just, it was a very inspiring talk, but I didn't have a chance to meet the man. And it's sometimes easy to say good words without needing your life to live up to the good words. As a speaker, as a teacher, as a as someone who talks about leadership, I worry, very, I worry very much whether my own life is a living, breathing example of, of what I share in class. I wanna be very careful that I don't preach. I don't say words that in my own life they are not true. I don't push other people to have values that in my life you can't find it to be true. And Warren Rustand for me is the human being who is alive today, that what they say and how they are as a person is completely coherent. And he says some big things. So his life uh, needs to live up to quite a lot to, to meet that. But Warren Rustand, every year I spend a week with him at Washington teaching on Global Leadership Academy to the Entrepreneurs Organization. Uh, leaders. We have 30 of the top leaders from all around the world in the room for one week looking at what it is to be a, a leader, not on a business, not on your own little world, but on a global scale. 
and Warren Rustand is the star of this show. Uh, Warren Rustand says there's three things that we really need to get clear on. And if you have these three things clear, uh, stress goes away. And the three things, clarity of vision, certainty of action, and values. And clarity of vision, uh, seeing where you are, who you are, how you're feeling, seeing where you're going, where you want to take your family, where you want to take your company, where you want to take your health, where you want to take your relationships, where you want to take your contribution, where you want to take your city, doesn't just happen by accident. You need to take out a book and you need to write it down. And every year at Global Leadership Academy, we give a gift to everyone as they arrive, which is a notebook. And the rule for the seven days of Global Leadership Academy is you bring this notebook everywhere you go. Every time you have a good idea, you put it in the notebook. Every morning you do 10, 10, 10. 10 minutes reading something that inspires. 10 minutes being grateful, reflecting on what you're grateful for. And 10 minutes writing in your journal, whatever comes, ideas for the day, people you need to thank, um, inspiring thoughts. Just get down everything in that book. That day by day, each morning, 10 by 10, 10, 10, you're collecting 10 minutes of reading, 10 minutes of gratitude, 10 minutes of writing down your intention for the day. Uh, through the course of the day, every time you hear a good idea, put it in that book. Uh, when you meet someone, put their name down in the book. What I've started doing in my journal is not just writing down the good words of someone else, but actually taking my journal, handing it to Warren and saying, would you put your name below the words that I shared from you? Because I want my journal to be a source of inspiring ideas, words, and little bits of handwriting that remind me of what's important. So. Clarity of vision is taking time for yourself to think, to think about where you are today, what's good, what's not so good, who you are today, where you're living up to who you'd like to be, where you're not living up to who you'd like to be, the relationships in your life. Are you contributing? Are you taking? Where are you? Where are you talking but not doing? Uh, Warren often says, I'm here for the doers. Are you a talker or a doer? I have no time for talkers. And I've met a lot of talkers in my life. And Warren sees through talkers and cuts them down to size. Uh, he has almost an allergic reaction to talkers, to people that talk the big ideas, but they haven't got the disciplines and systems in their life to turn them into results. So clarity of vision, writing stuff down. Uh, writing down where you are now, writing down your one word. So the, the words you're sharing in the chat, two or three times a day, just pause, get out your notebook, get your pen and note down, what's the state of mind? What doubts do you have? What questions are running through your mind? Uh, but also think about who do you wanna be in a year, in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years. One of the conversations I like to provoke with people is, What's gonna be your last project? And, and a question I, I, I'll ask people when we're in the, the right level of trust is what age do you plan to live to in this body? What age do you see yourself 
staying alive in this form, continuing to, to be here in this universe. And, and, and I ask people, put down that number. And then I ask, what are you doing then? Who's around you then? What's your life like then? Because if you're healthy and you have good relationships and you've got projects that are things that make you proud in that future, you've got to start doing something now so that you're planting the seeds and day after day doing the discipline to get there. Uh, you know, I, I talked about five of my mentors and ideas we we're gonna share. Uh, one, number four was Jim Rohn. And on this idea, one of the most powerful ideas from Jim Rohn is success and failure. Success is three good habits repeated every day. Failure, one, two, or three poor decisions repeated every day. No one act turns you from a failure into success and no one poor decision turns you from a success into a failure. It's the consistent repetition day after day after day after day. One of the ideas I, I, I like to share in, in my classes is saying an apple a day keeps the doctor away. The big problem is that if today, instead of the apple, you choose a donut, nothing changes, nobody notices and you get away with it. If every day this week, just instead of taking the apple, you take the donut, nobody notices. You don't notice, but you know you've taken that decision. If every day this month you choose the donut instead of the apple, nothing changes, nobody notices. But if every day for the next 10 years you choose the donut instead of the apple, then that impact is going to be very harsh and brutal on your life. People will know. And these small acts, what Jim Rohn talks about, little habits, little habits, saying thank you. you know, I can come home to my family and not say thank you to my wife, thank you to my daughter, not say thank you to my parents, not to say thank you to people. No one's gonna call me on it, but, and I can get away with it for a week, I can get away with it for a month, but if for 10 years I don't show my gratitude, the types of relationships that I will have in 10 years time are gonna be very different than the relationships that I have now. So, um, we have, let's go back to uh, chat cam here. And over on chat cam, we have some words coming in. Greenway from Sudan, Maria Luis, Luisa being late. There's no late here in, in YouTube chat. Uh, Srivan, thank you for making me reinstall YouTube. Excellent day. Yes, you can't chat. I think I had a few people connect last week who were saying, how do you do this chat? Everyone says they're in chat. How do you do chat? Uh, I, I think you've got to be in a certain connection in order to be able to do chat. I, I can watch YouTube on my television in the living room, but I don't have the option to chat. Uh, so if you are on the chat there, great to have this interaction going. Let me see, we've got, so I had a, a reflection also for today a reflection uh one of my favorite movies that i've watched probably more in the last few years than any other movie i've watched it with my daughter who is now 13 many many times on trips and travels uh, i'm starting to watch it again as my younger daughter 
starts to get into this stage. Kung Fu Panda. And the only thing that matters is what you choose to be now. And Warren Rustand, his big thing is about, it's a choice to be a leader. It's a choice to engage. It's a choice to reach out to other people. And this time of crisis, uh, some say now is some of the easiest time to lead. It's an easy time to lead because people are crying out for leadership. People are uncertain, people are struggling, people are doubting about their future, what's gonna happen. And they're crying out for good people to start to lead in these times. And leadership at this time is not telling people that you know what the future is. Nobody knows what the future is. Nobody knows how long quarantine is gonna last. Nobody knows if we're gonna have a resurgence of infections when we start to release the quarantine in Italy, in Spain. Uh, this afternoon, I was on a webinar with an entrepreneur from China, an entrepreneur from the north of Italy, and they were sharing what their businesses and lives are, are now. Shanghai, the entrepreneur was sharing, is life is getting back to normal. Life is getting back, that the, the factories are now running at 70, 80% of capacity. At the weekend, the sun was out, there were people outdoors in the parks. People are still wearing masks, people are still maintaining a distance, but Shanghai today, which is about two, two and a half months ahead of where, where we are, there's a lot of hope that there is a re-engagement and a beginning to, to get back to, to normal levels of production in business. We're absolutely not getting back to normal levels of going to the camp now to watch 100,000 people watching Barca play football. Uh, I don't know when that level of re-engagement with the world will happen. So uh, let's uh, talk about what I'd like to see in the in the chat now. Uh, so we've, we've got you telling us where you're from, city and country. Uh, some of you put your one word emotional connect. Recommendations, I'd love to hear, you know, I've got time now to read, to watch videos, watch TED Talks. What books, what videos, do you guys recommend that have had an impact on your life that have given you a lesson? Uh, I'd love to hear from each of you. What, what are the books? What are the videos? What are the TED Talks? What are the sources of inspiration that you have found that have made a difference in your life over the last while? Uh, so we've got 63 concurrent uh, viewers at the time. And I think Florian Mueck, who is my inspiration for being here and running this live stream at the moment, he's having a, a live stream today in about 20 minutes. And I hope some of you will connect over there and join Florian. And Florian shared with me some of the lessons he's learned over 11 sessions of YouTube Live. One is keep talking. You cannot ever run out of things to say. You cannot hope that the chat is full of questions that will keep you flowing. Uh, but it's great to have good questions in the chat, but you gotta keep on going. And what perhaps I, ah, Don Rickles. <laughs> I see Florian here on the chat, Don Rickles. I haven't checked out Don Rickles just yet, but Florian has been recommending the videos of Don Rickles. He, uh, he's a comedian from the US. And he's passed away a few years ago, but 
Uh, Florian loves his ability to just interact with the room, interact with people, you know, receive comments and chat and just be able to on the fly connect and say something that really engages in the moment. Uh, Shivam, seven habits. Yeah, the seven habits of highly effective people. For me, I remember when I first started work, when I was 21 years old, I remember crossing over the, the bridge in London, crossing the River Thames over to Arundel Street, the, the offices of Anderson Consulting. And in the very first training that I did at Anderson Consulting when I joined, this is back in 1995, we were given the seven habits of highly effective people. We were given a workbook that went along with the book. And we were asked over the, the first three weeks as we began just to take time to work on those seven habits of highly effective people. So maybe for one of my future live streams or videos, uh, going through those seven habits and how I put them into my life. Uh, we've got Reno, Joseph Folkman, the power of feedback. And feedback, feedback is, is something, it took me 33 years of my life to learn to accept feedback. 33 years of my life, I thought I was smarter than everyone else and probably thought I was smarter than the world. And when I was 33 years old, my business went bankrupt. My ex-wife said, it's over. And I spent most of 2009 asking, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything to deserve this. Why is this happening to me? And feedback, what I learned in 2009 is there are people who have lived before me. There are older people who have been through what I'm going through. There are older people who have led good lives and there are older people who have led poor lives. There are people who died hundreds of years ago who wrote books about what helped them succeed or where they let themselves down. And from the age of 33, I really cultivate a mindset of not thinking I know the answers, of thinking there are so many people who have things to share with me, who have wise ideas. Uh, Vistage, which is the business I run here in Spain, uh, it was interesting, we, we had a session this morning and, and, and someone, David, who's, who's been with us fairly recently afterwards, he said, Connor, you know, I can really tell someone who's part of Vistage from someone who's not part of Vistage. And he says, because they have a way of interacting. He says, whenever you ask them a question, before they give you any advice, any ideas, any experience, they'll ask you two or three questions. They'll really try and understand where you are, what you're dealing with, why it's important to you, where you are, before they start to help you with questions, understand your own experience. Uh, but on feedback, to me, if, if it doesn't hurt, it's not feedback that helps. And I try and put myself in a mode of, I want to hear feedback that hurts. Uh, some of the people that are brilliant at giving me feedback that hurts is my dad, uh, my brother, and my wife. They are genius in giving me feedback that hurts that I find hard to accept in the moment, but minutes, hours, days later, I realized there was something valuable 
in what they were willing to share with me. And there's a saying, you, you shouldn't reject letters of gold just because they're wrapped in envelopes of, uh, of shit. Very often, people who are giving us feedback that's valuable, they're clumsy in their way of giving us the feedback. And if you stay in the clumsiness of the other's feedback, you forget to take the gold, which is the lesson behind their clumsy attempt at letting you know that there is something that you could do better. Uh, wow, I've got some great stuff coming through on the, on the chat here. I'm gonna switch over to chat again. So, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And I, I've got all of the Ryan Holiday books. And I love Ryan Holiday books because they're sort of ones that you can open at any page and just read one page. So I use uh, The Obstacle is the Way, um, the, there's, there's four of those books I have over here. And part of my 10, 10, 10 routine in the morning when I read inspiring things, the stoic wisdom of uh, Ryan Holiday. Zig Ziglar, yeah, uh, Zig Ziglar. I love his, his videos and his audios, just keep me inspired. Uh, book that inspired me, The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Uh, I haven't read The Secret, but I, I remember going to a workshop by a guy here in Barcelona, and, and the workshop was around the ideas behind The Secret. And the guy in the workshop, he had us draw a picture of what fulfillment meant to us in six different areas of life. And not write down words, not set our goals in, in written, but draw pictures of the things that we wanted to happen in our health, in our relationships, money, uh, contributions, spiritual, uh, peace of mind, to draw it. And I remember within a month, things started appearing in my life uh, and it felt a little bit eerie and crazy how just coincidences started to happen. Uh, and I called this guy and said, I need to have lunch with you. I said to you, I sat through your workshop thinking the secret this stuff of, of vision boards is all this airy fairy stuff. But I did the work and things have happened in all six of the areas. I think it connects back to Warren Rustan's idea of clarity of vision. Uh, we don't see what we're looking at. We see what we're searching for. And until you tell your eyes and your ears and your senses, what is it you're interested in? Your senses don't know what to let you know that we're seeing. And I think, you know, for me, teaching our senses what we are looking for. So getting this notebook down and writing out who you want to be, who you want around you, the types of experiences you want to have. I have a big long list of all the places I'd like to go, all the people I'd like to meet, all the books I'd like to read all the TV shows and videos I'd like to watch, all the experiences I'd like to have, just to gather them down into a book. You know, I'm, I may not ever go and see all of these places, but if ever you feel down, taking out a notebook and going back and looking at these lists for me is a wonderful way of, of finding uh, my motivation, my purpose. Uh, Michael, what hurts holds truth. That's a very important lesson. Uh, and I, I know Will Smith, Will Smith, the, the actor, the American actor, his family motto is, is lean into sharp edges. 
that everything valuable in life, every valuable experience is a sharp edge. If you, want, if you want to do exercise that gets you fit in a gym, it's got to hurt a little bit and you've got to lean into that pain. And you know, John D. Martini, who was on, on my list of five, Dr. John D. Martini, uh, says, you know, everything's in balance. You know, if you want more pleasure, you've got to accept more pain. If you want more outcome, you've got to put more pain in. That everything's in balance. There's no free lunch. Uh, and I think that idea, what hurts holds truth, is a very powerful idea. I think it's also important at the time that we are right now, where we have this time, it's, it's like the, the universe has hit the pause button. All of us are in pause. And we can spend this time in pause worrying about what might happen two, three, four weeks from now. Or we can spend this time in pause starting to read these good books that we haven't had time to read starting to reach out to people that really have inspired us and we thought I'd love to have a deeper relationship, a stronger conversation with them. I think also coaching. I, I've always said no to people who said, Connor, would you coach me? Because I just, yeah. But I found with Zoom, with video, I, I can engage with people in Argentina, in Paraguay, in Uruguay, eh, all across Europe from here in Barcelona. Zoom has been incredible these last week. Ethan. Robert Greene, The 48 Laws of Power. I, I love that book. To be honest, I can't read it all in one go, but I, I sort of go back to it every couple of months and read one or two of the laws. But Robert Greene, 48 Laws of Power, I think because it's so honest and real and true, uh, you don't get a long way in this life by being nice. You, you've got to be really good at something, but you've got to know your limits and know how to, how to push people away when they try and take what is yours and i think the 48 laws of power that uh, you've got to decide to be powerful and robert green's book 48 laws of power what i like about it is it's it's really honest about what it takes to to take power and use it to achieve things one of the things about power power is neutral power doesn't isn't good or isn't bad power is a potential it's the choice of the leader, the person with the power, how you use that power. Power in itself is neutral. So to choose not to have power because you're worried about whether you'll use it for bad, well, first strengthen up your values, get really clear about, you know, you're not in this for fame, you're not in this for money, you're not in this for you. I think back to what we talked about with Viktor Frankl, who do you want to serve? What projects really matter? How do you want to make this world 10, 20, 30 years a better place? and then get as much power as you can to make this world better for those people that are important to you. Uh, Chris, Epictet Discourses. Yeah, I think the, the Greeks here, I have uh, a reminder of one of my mentors. This is Aristotle and the Greeks, they suffered a lot. They had a lot of pandemics and illnesses. They had to learn how you deal with un-understandable phenomena hitting you, war, disease, uh, crops failing, famine, and uh, yeah, Aristotle in, in understanding what gives life meaning has some very valuable lessons. For me, one of the, the, the books that has all of the lessons that we need as leaders is Odysseus, Homer's Odysseus. And every challenge a leader face Somewhere in the book of Odysseus, we see Odysseus face a challenge that is, is like 
every challenge we're going to face as leaders of our own lives, leaders of our families, leaders of our companies and leaders in, in wider society. So as we're moving to the last 10 minutes here, uh, Harshad, how to know what to journal? That is an excellent question. Uh, I have a blog post on my blog which, which gives a structure. If you don't know what to write, what to write. And it's got 50 questions, types of things to write in your journal. When I was 14 years old, my biology teacher, Mr. Matz, was the person that started my habit of journaling. And he had one rule, pen touches paper for the last five minutes of class. And I think Harshad, as, as you're thinking what to journal, it's less important what you write down. It's more important that it becomes a habit that once, twice, three times, or just once a day, this notebook comes out, a pen comes out, you put it on the page, and, and you let whatever's in your mind get out and onto the page. And if you keep your pen touching the paper and just keep writing, you're gonna find that your mind gives you very interesting things to put down on that book. The types of things I write in my journal are people that I'm grateful to, lessons that I've learned, ideas for videos, uh, structures that, that I want to learn to explain better, books I'd love to read. I also write how I'm feeling. You know, this exercise of, of how am I feeling right now? Uh, what am I thinking about right now? What frustrates me? What questions do I have running through my head right now? Get them out of my head and onto the page. I think journaling can slow down time. When you feel overwhelmed, when you feel rushed to take decisions, that's when I get out my journal and I just get all the noise in my head and try and just get it down onto the page without worrying about putting structure or meaning to it. Just vomit out what's on my head down onto the page. Five minutes pen touching paper day after day. I think Harshad, you'll find that your mind starts to figure out how to use it. There's a saying that the best leadership book any of us could read is our own life well documented. The problem is most of us don't stop and document our life, don't stop and document our days, how it feels to be me right now, what I'm worried about right now. I've written down where I am, who I'm with, what I'm thinking about, what frustrates me, what state of mind I'm in every single day since I was 14 years old. So I can tell you where I was every single day since I was 14. I can look back and relive what it was like to be 21, 25. Uh, when I went through bankruptcy in 2008, I have a big stack of loose paper that were my writings about what it was like to be me going through that agonizing journey for me at the time. Uh, also, you know, I'm part of Entrepreneurs Organization. Every month we have a forum meeting. For the last 16 years, 15 years, every month I pull out all those notes, I look at family, personal, professional, and on the horizon, what's the top thing, the most emotionally positive thing that has happened, what's the most emotionally negative thing that has happened in those four areas, personal, family, professional, and on the horizon. What emotions am I feeling? Why is it important to me? And what specifically happened to put me in that state of mind? So we're now coming to the last five minutes. Ethan, so good to have you connect on here. Uh, and you absolutely get power and use it for good. Uh, 
all of you who are connecting to this are connecting to this live stream because you want to be good leaders. I think the thing that makes you a leader is you desire to be good, open to feedback, good relationships that can hold you honest and to account when you step over the way. Herman Shackleton, now there's a book about getting through times of crisis and difficulty. Uh, Maria, very brave person uh, up till now, yeah. And I think here sometimes all of us are brave enough to get through a certain period of time. There's time when I have enough energy and bravery to get through the next year. And that's the time scale I look at. There's days when I wake up and I have the bravery to get through this week. And that's the time scale I look at. There's days I wake up and I don't have the bravery to get through to the end of this day. And I look at it hour by hour. What's the most important thing this next hour? And in my life back in 2008, 2009, there were days where I couldn't get through an hour. I couldn't get through the next half hour. All I could do was get through life minute by minute, dealing with what's the next most important right thing that I can do now. I think I, I mentioned Frozen 2, the movie. Uh, Olaf says to Queen Elsa, Queen Elsa, when you don't know what to do, when everything's in a mess, when you're in crisis, do the next right thing. Uh, and that time scale sometimes is 20 years next right thing, one year, one week, one minute, one second, right now. And sometimes the right thing is just to pause and be with yourself and take a deep breath. Uh, so we're gonna close down in five minutes. Let me put back my uh, chat. Uh, what I'd like to do now is hear number four and number five. One lesson that you've taken, maybe an action you'd like to do. And what I'd like is the final things. One final word, just if you had to capture everything that we've covered here today, what would be one final word? So I'm gonna go back to the chat now in the last few minutes. Uh, and Florian Mwex, uh YouTube is gonna begin in about five minutes time. And uh, if Florian is on, I hope he'll leave a link for us in the, in the chat. If not, I will head over and see if I can get a link for that. But let's get uh, over to the chat. Uh, yeah, get power. Michael, uh, great to see you from Dublin. Uh, Luis, there is no free lunch. <laughs> I know the teacher that taught us that. There is no free lunch. Harshad, can a keyboard substitute pen? And I guess this goes to journaling. So Harshad, in my life, I have journaled in various different ways. I have journaled in a notebook with a pen and paper. I've journaled in Evernote on a phone. I've journaled uh, using a Blackberry back when they were little. I've journaled using a Scion 5 uh, personal organizer. So the last 15 years, I'm back to pen and paper. I find that electronics have too much distraction. And Harshad, maybe you're stronger than me and you can stay journaling when you see WhatsApp, email, different windows around you. In my case, I am just easily distracted. So this journal uh, and Ethan for next time, I'm gonna take out my Global Leadership, uh, Global Leadership Academy set of journals. I have five Global Leadership Academy journals full of ideas from Warren Rustan, from many, many amazing, inspiring leaders. 
but Harshad, I've gone back to pen and paper. I find it the powerful way for me to, to journal. Uh, if someone wanna, once asked, what if you lose it? What if you lose what you've written down? Uh, that's not a problem. You're not journaling to save the books. You're journaling for the impact it has on you now and in taking life seriously, not treating life frivolously, but taking life seriously, taking this one precious gift of life that we've been given. Uh, oh, am I talking to the right camera? Probably not. Uh, let's switch to the right camera. So when you're journaling, the question, what if you lose these books? You're not journaling to have the books. You're journaling for the impact it has on you. You're journaling for the way it makes you become intentional and responsible about life, not treating this one precious life that we've been given with any type of frivolousness. Uh, and, and life, if we put intent and we take it seriously, and taking life seriously doesn't mean you don't laugh. Laughter is serious. Taking it seriously is, is realizing you got one good go at it. So learn everything you can, take everything you can from books and mentors. If anyone wants to help you, you say yes and you let them help. Took me 33 years to learn that. Let people help. You don't have to do things yourself. You get no bonus points for passing the exam just by you in life. Maybe in school you learn not to copy, but in life, copy everything. Copy other people. If it works for them, copy it use it, make this world better. Um, so let's finish off. Uh, we had a great chat on here. I'm going to share with you the link to Florian Wex live that is going to go on in, in a couple of minutes. And I'm going to go over there to connect at six. So there's Florian Wex live is starting in about one minute here six on years ago. In fact, there it started. Uh, so I'm going to head over to Florian Max Live on the link I put in here. It's been fantastic to share this one hour from Barcelona, rainy outside, but uh, I felt connected to all of you from all around the world. I'm going to keep going this. Uh, thank you. There's a, the next web stream is going to be on the 28th of March on Saturday, which is a special day because it's my birthday. I came into this world, the great pleasure of my parents, on the 28th of March. So this 28th of March, we're not allowed out of house. I'm not going to have the party in the countryside that I had planned with my good friends. I'd love if you would join me and in some fu funny way, we celebrate a birthday in quarantine in Barcelona, connected with all of you from around the world. So let's... Uh, finish our programming here for now. I'm going over to the Florian uh, webcast now. I want to see you there. See you on the 28th. See you on these videos. Let's keep connected. Have a good one. And, and again, the only thing that matters is what you choose to be now. Uh, I hope you choose to be here for the important people in your life. I hope you choose to begin projects that the person you will be 20 years from now will thank you for. And I hope you choose to be aware and intentional and present and write down in a journal and, and let this time in quarantine be the beginning of journaling for you. Uh, on that note, 
we're going to say, have a great one. See you on Saturday. Live streaming. Three, two, one, and...